The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. So we have five kids, and, and, and the first one was actually due on Super Bowl Sunday. So we actually watched the Super Bowl from the recovery room. And we're about to go home, and I'm sitting there thinking, you guys going to give us like a handbook or something? Uh, some instructions? Like what, like, 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 what do we do? You're just going to give us this kid and expect us to raise this kid for 18 years with no instructions? Baltimore Ravens' Benjamin Watson lays out his step-by-step -step game plan for fatherhood, next on Life Today. And, and this may surprise you, is a great sports fan. Now, by the way, I'm James Robinson, and this is Betty, the sports fan. And she thinks she coaches the Dallas Cowboys. That's right. Didn't do too good for several years, honey. They're doing better. <clears throat> doing better. Hang in there. They're the be Mavericks. You, you coach the Mavericks, especially when they won the NBA championship. And she coaches the, uh, the Rangers. And she's tried to coach the Stars, but she hadn't figured all that out. <laughs> but this precious wife is a sports fan. And she got into it watching our son. That's when she found out what a first down was. She didn't really realize what was happening. Well, we've got a football player that's gifted. Uh, won a Super Bowl ring with the uh, New England Patriots. Could have won another one this year uh, if it had been there. He'd have been, but he's, <laughs> he's uh, recovering from Achilles' heels injury. But he plays for the Ravens, and he'll be playing this year. His name is Benjamin Watson. Okay, he's a great football player. He's a gifted person. But let me tell you what's really great about him. He made a profound statement as a football player back during the racial tension, uh, even starting with Ferguson. That just went, went viral. It was fabulous. And we're gonna talk about that book later this week and what he said there, but this one just came out. And it's called The New Dad's Playbook. Gearing up for the biggest game of your life. Now think about this. He's, he's playing with a lot of athletes who've said to him, we don't know how to be a dad, but they're dads. And they're talking about the locker room. He's got five kids. He showed us their, their pictures. It's a beautiful family. I mean, it's beautiful. They get a baby a year. I mean, man, I mean, <laughs> I mean this guy, he, he knows what it is to be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> and so does his beautiful wife. But this man understands the importance of a father. I want you to welcome Benjamin Watson to life today. Benjamin, glad to see you. Thank you. Your family is absolutely beautiful. Your wife's beautiful. Your kids are beautiful. Thank you. Okay. You said something when we were, were just sitting back here before we came out that you hear ball players. Talking about being a dad. Of course. of course. Even in the locker room, they bring it up. Of course. We talk about things other than football, contrary to popular belief. But um, <laughs> I've been in the NFL for 13 years, about 1,000 guys that I've been around. <clears throat> excuse me. And um, there's no handbook for fatherhood. You know, women have what to expect when she's expecting. <laughs> they, the list goes on and on about what women have. And, and there's nothing specifically for men that I know of that shows us or teaches us about fatherhood going from, you know, conception up until birth. And so really it was my wife that kind of made, you know, when your wife tells you to do something, you do it, right? <laughs> so my wife has been urging me for the last 
umpteen years, eight years. Our oldest is eight. So she's been urging me since we had our first one to write a handbook for dads. So this is that handbook, the new dad's playbook. Um, and what it does is it takes guys from conception all the way until the baby comes home a week after that. So everything from what's a zygote, what's a fetus? <laughs> what, why, why does your wife, why, why is her belly getting bigger? What to expect when you go to the OB appointment and you hear that scratchy little thing that's actually the ultrasound and it's gonna let you know what the heartbeat is like. Um, men love to be prepared. And so my goal is to prepare them with knowledge, but also to show them that, you know, this, this, this fatherhood thing is important. We live in a time right now where a third of our kids don't have dads. Many people who are becoming dads didn't have a father demonstrate to them the importance of a father. Um, but it doesn't mean that they can't change the trend. It doesn't mean that they can't be different. They have what it takes. And so part of it, while I'm trying to educate these guys, um, I'm also trying to encourage them uh, to prepare them for some of the, the, the things that are going to happen through pregnancy. These women need us to be um, men, not only putting a roof over their head, but they need us to support them through this pregnancy. So. And it's a big responsibility of to be a dad, of to be a parent, yes. period. And, yeah. and to let a father know that he can be participate exactly. in it from the very beginning. And the amazing it's, thing is, is, you know, I'm sitting there with our first. So we have five kids. And, and, and the first one was actually due on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, my. In New England. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the one year we didn't make it to the playoffs. We were 11 and 5. We didn't go to the playoffs. Grace was due on Super Bowl Sunday. It was February 2nd. She came two days early. So we actually watched the Super Bowl from the recovery room. And so my <laughs> wife and I were watching Super Bowl. You know, we didn't make it. It, it turned out great. I was there, you know, all that good stuff. And we're about to go home, and I'm sitting there thinking, are you guys going to give us, like, a handbook or something? Uh, some instructions? Like, what, like, 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 what do we do? You're just going to give us this kid and expect us to raise this kid for 18 years with no instructions? I mean, there's more instructions for putting together a bicycle than for raising a kid. And so we just expect you to know you trial by error. So we're driving home, and, of course, you wouldn't eat at first, and my wife is nursing. And, you know, we were young parents that were just struggling. And so being that I'm in it a little bit now, and being that I've had some of these conversations in the locker room, you know, guys coming to me, because I'm the old guy now, talking about, man, I gotta buy diapers. I don't know which one to buy. What should I do? Should I even be there? Would the kid even know me? Does it even matter that I'm present during this? And I'm like, yes, it does. Yes, it, does. it does matter that you're present. It matters for her, and it matters for that child. Yes. And that's your number one priority right now. So, so, so letting guys know that, you know, this is important. This takes precedence over everything else that you're trying to do outside of the home. Being a father is, is worth it. Um, you are creating a legacy, even at this beginning stage, when the baby's not even here yet, you're creating, starting the legacy that can change the course of generations. You find that they want to really be a part, they just yeah. don't know where to start or yeah. how to begin and they need yeah. some of that instruction? I think, there's two, I think there's two camps. I think there are some guys, obviously, that don't care. There are some men out here who, uh, who, who, who they go from woman to woman and, and they really don't care. Then there are some guys that feel like they're being told that they shouldn't care because that's the cool thing, but deep down they do. And then there are some guys that want to be there, but they just don't know how. And we have a tremendous opportunity to, uh, to show them that. 
to teach them that, to provide information. Like I said in the book, it, the, the book is, is not all X's and O's, but there's some X's and O's in there. There's some, okay, this is a trimester. Yeah. <laughs> this is what to expect in the first trimester. This is what to expect in the second and the third. Oh, and by the way, if you're going to get an epidural, make sure you request a head anesthesiologist because that guy can get the epidural in. If you get one of these rookies, don't mess it all up. <laughs> That's what happened to me. My wife was, <laughs> was screaming, and I said, you know what, from now I'm getting the head guy. So, you know, just even practical things like that, making a birth plan, but then also just from a broad um, point of view, um, we are going to be, as men, the first really encounter that our kids have with their Heavenly Father. A lot of how we view our Heavenly Father, good and bad, and obviously God, God, we, we don't represent him very well at all, but what a tremendous opportunity and responsibility to enter into a child's life and to do everything you can to show the grace, the love, the repentance, the integrity that our Heavenly Father demonstrates to us. And that's what, you know, being a father of five, that's, that's what I constantly try to show to my kids, although I do it imperfectly. There are plenty of times where I got to go to them and say, you know what, Daddy messed up. He's sorry. Do you forgive me? Um, but, but, but being a father is worth the time and the effort. How important is it for a man to be the kind of man that can be the father that makes the, the meaningful impact on the children. How important for that father to know the father and really have a relationship with God to be the dad that every kid needs. Well, one thing you understand, have to, have to understand is that you're not gonna be the perfect father. Mm. There's only one of those. And as a recovering perfectionist myself, <laughs> there's been plenty of times where I've been so frustrated because I mess up, I can't do this thing right. Whether it's in my professional um, life or whether it's at home, in my marriage, or whether it's fathering my kids, um, we're not gonna do it perfectly, but we still have to give the effort. And that's where we ex exhibit, that's where he's made strong in our weakness, <laughs> when we're willing to do that. But you mentioned a, you know, something about you know, you're not having a father, and I don't know you very well, I don't know your kids, but what I've seen in talking to them today is that they have a father in you. And even though it wasn't demonstrated to you, you stepped in and God met you there. And because you were obedient, you changed the course of not only your family, but millions of other people around this country. And so you mentioned communities that don't have, have fathers. It takes one guy. It takes one guy to do it. And a lot of times dads think that it doesn't really matter. It does. If you look at any ill that we face, if you look at poverty, if you look at education, if you look at employment, doesn't matter, people that have fathers fare better oh, yeah. than those that don't. And that's statistical evidence. And when you look at the criminal activity too, the difference that, is dramatic. That's statistical evidence that you can't fight. Well, one of the, the best ways to get out of poverty is to be married um, and have a father in your home. Yeah, and have a, and graduate have a from marriage high school. commitment too. Exactly, yeah. in high school. Those, those, are, those are some things that, that just, it's just true. And so um, no, no matter where you're from in the world, United States or outside of it, um, there's a reason why God created uh, the family unit the way it is, because it functions best that way. Now, the other thing is sometimes, you know, we live in a fallen world. Things aren't going to be ideal. There are going to be times when there's a single parent. There's going to be times when you mess up as a dad or a mom or whatever it may be. But, uh, we live for a God that can patch those things up and a God that can turn things around and change the course of what's happening. So, When you look at the tension in the black community and the, the reaction and response, a lot of it is the whole, uh, let's say, mindset in America. We don't understand 
the weight or the burden that, that say just is a reality in the black community. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure that the fatherlessness uh, in the black community is not as weighty as even the past mm -hmm. uh, horrors or inappropriate things that have been imposed mm -hmm. on them. Yeah. How do you think we can address, if you have a suggestion as an athlete, <laughs> as a person who is... Uh, that takes like a lot, a lot more of the show than Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> than a, it's, it's a real deal. How do, how do we yeah. say to them, and especially when you even look at being able to walk in a school, that if you were to reference that there's a father who always knows best, yeah. that they might know. I mean, it's almost like that'd be illegal now. Yeah. In other words, it's almost like our nation has become so foolish and fooled by the enemy's deception that we dismiss any reference to the Almighty or nature's God or nature's law mm -hmm. to where now we don't obey any law. Our hearts become lawless. Mm -hmm. We're fatherless. We're not listening. How, how do we penetrate that barrier, that wall to get into these beautiful children's lives that are manipulated by all those who use them for all the wrong means. And especially using girls as a, as a toy and a ploy and not someone to love and admire and respect because they never saw it or heard it. And a little girl that doesn't grow up on daddy's lap, knowing she's beautiful and precious, first guy that tells her that, She's hearing it and wanting it, and then he tells her what he wants her to do, and he plays her like a fiddle, yeah. and then plays her like a fool, and damages her. What do we do? That's a huge, that's a huge problem, number one. It's very complicated. Um, You're one of the, the, there was one a, the lights the, of hope, though, I well, think. Well, there was a, there was a time where, the, where there were more black, parent, black men in the home than there were white men. Yeah. There was a time where marriage was more prominent in the black community than it was in the white community. Marriage is still more important in the eyes, just like life is important in the black community. Well, I'm just talking about by sheer numbers. I'm talking about no. by percentages I understand of, of households yeah. where, where that wasn't done in the black community. What's happening it was, now? It was done in the white community more, and then things have changed. And so, and so the reasons why things have changed, there are a bunch of them. Um, you know, that they go all the way from, from uh, uh, people getting subsidies if a man isn't even in the home and that kind of being something that, that encourages men not being in the home because yeah. if a man's yeah. in the home, you're not going to get certain things. Yeah. That's yeah. a problem. Um, and so there's a bunch of other different things that we could talk about, but I always want to draw something back to absolute truth. And so if, 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 um, if there aren't men in a home, Clearly, we talked about the, 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 the incarceration rates, the education, the joblessness, all those things that, are, that are, are, are consequences of men not being in the home. But whether you're in the white community or the black community or whatever community you're in, my goal with every man that I talk to that isn't a father, and I talk to, to a lot of them that have kids and they aren't in the home, I take them to absolute truth. Mm -hmm. I take them to the word of God because the word speaks for itself. We are fighting a spiritual battle as much as we're fighting sure. anything else. Mm -hmm. And we can go in and talk about the reasons, and they're all important. We need to address a lot of these reasons that are systemic, um, as you mentioned, as you alluded to. But when I talk to guys in the locker room about them not being around their kids and them missing their kids' birthdays and them missing this and them compromising and saying that it's okay, I take them back to the Word of God. What does the Bible say you need to do as a father? It says, love your wife. 
It says train up your children the way they should go. Are you training up your child? Do you think this is going to have consequences? Well, yeah. And it's amazing how when you sit down and have a conversation about it, you see the, the, the toughness fall and say, man, <laughs> I know I'm not doing right by that kid. Well, I want to, don't you appreciate his spirit and this is demeanor. I, I'm going to talk to him uh, in another program this week about what actually put him in the forefront of American, uh, uh, let's say, the eyes of the American people when he talked about what really made him angry. And it became a very viral uh, Facebook post that just put him front page. But for him to be a father and have five kids and be saying what he's saying here to gear you up for the biggest game of your life, he's just trying to give common sense advice. For, for a lot of folks, it's okay from, uh, you know, from a, a cradle through the child growing up, from pregnancy and conception right on. I'm going to give you some insight. He's a very wise man, a great communicator. And uh, you've already seen pictures there, you know, of, of his family. They're beautiful. They're radiant. The glory's on them because it's on dad. Mom feels love. One of the greatest things that you can do for a kid's security is let that kid see how much dad loves mom. Yeah. That There is not one thing that happens. That's just almost a psychological absolute that any psychiatrist would tell you, anyone that observes marriages. So l let him show you about this kind of love. You appreciate, Benjamin, you like this guy and, and the, the wonderful demeanor. And, and you're, you're a real blessing. And, and by the way, our viewers... Benjamin, the people watching us, I mean, you say, well, we don't play a sport. We do this here. You know, we'll, you know, a lot of the folks sitting out here watching us, they think, what difference do we make? And I'm, I'm trying to, to tell you something that you've got to hear. Betty and I couldn't sit here. <laughs> we don't have Coca-Cola or Pepsi-Cola or some big store or bookstore uh, uh, promoting us. We don't have a sponsor. You're it. You make it possible for us to call the family in a family room and point to the Father and bring people in that encourage you. But there's something else you do. You enable us to touch people all over the world who didn't think for one moment anybody noticed. Certainly not God. Even the God that they're praying to, they hurt so bad. They are so hungry or so thirsty in such pain. And when they find out love notices, Betty, it makes it's these viewers that make it happen. I want you to look in, just watch, and just know you're the miracle answer that you can see is obviously needed. I'm telling you, God in heaven let you know how precious and special you are to him and his kingdom purpose. Watch very prayerfully. War and conflict are predominant in the short history of the world's newest country, South Sudan. Villages are routinely attacked. Innocent families flee for their lives as their meager homes are burned to the ground. Those lucky enough to survive the ambushes have nothing but the clothes on their backs as they wander in search of safety. Parents are desperate to find food sources for their children and often go without so their children can go to bed with a little food in their stomachs. As the years pass, surviving family members band together and do whatever they can to survive. In 2015, 
the Life Outreach Mission partners working in South Sudan met one such family. Leek, along with his father, grandmother, and older sister Nyagut, were living under this tree. The family's main source of food was the wild fruit growing in the tree. As the fruit from the lower branches was depleted, Nyagut began climbing the tree, higher and higher as needed. She bravely and sacrificially tried her best to provide for Leek and her family. Recently, the missionaries returned to that tree and sought out Leek, Nyagut, and the rest of their family. Although they now had a simple hut to sleep in, heartbreak and tragedy still plague this family. Nyagut had passed away a couple of months prior, most likely as the result of malnutrition. Leek says he misses his sister, and the mission team was heartbroken by the pain and hopelessness evident in his eyes. As famine and starvation sweep across South Sudan, families such as these fear for their future. The grip of this crisis is tightest on the children. Leek and many other children just like him need food, and they need it now. Boy, if that little sister, big sister, could climb that tree day after day to try to get the fruit higher and higher after they had eaten that which they could reach. And then she's the one who did so much trying to help the others is the one who's gone. The one who helped. And now, Betty, we have a chance to not only take her place, but to feed many families like hers. The missionaries have 400,000 already located that we can feed that are in place that have the same needs you saw there. And we can be like that precious sister that you might say in a way gave her life trying to help her family. And I'm sure each one family member has done all that they know to do, James, to find some kind of little morsel to put into their bodies to feed, especially the, the little ones that would likely be the ones to pass away first because their little bodies haven't developed and become strong like they could be. And I just ask you to join with us again. I know we ask you many times, but we don't get tired of asking, and I don't believe you get tired of us asking. So please join with us again, and let's get food to these so desperate families that are just, they don't know what to do. They love their children too, as we love ours. And so let's join together and make the difference and reach out. We can do it. We've done it before. Well, you know, when you think about the effort that that uh, precious girl went to, and, and the missionaries and relief workers. Could we not go online or go to the phone and make a call and a gift that could save many lives and put in the hands of those beautiful little malnourished children and their families that which would give them life in the future while they overcome all the challenges they face? Would you do it? Would you just reach out even reach up to God and say, God, show me what to do. Let me be the blessing they long for. Let me meet their need. Would you do that? This is the last week of this emphasis on mission feeding where we take a period of time. We try to lay, uh, raise the resources to take care of people for many months. And we're asking you to do that right now. $100, we can feed 10 children for the next several months. $1,000, we can feed 100. And during this last week, because the crisis is so great, the need so severe, I'm praying many of you will 
we'll give $1,000 or more. $100, we can feed 10, 50, we can feed five, 30, we can feed three, and don't think that that's too small for those three children, it's life. Would you right now go online or would you dial the phone number and take your bank card and just make the gift God put on your heart. This is the last week now for this emphasis and we need to hear from everyone. Some of you have already given even in this emphasis, but I'm telling you, we've not reached the goal and together we can and I believe we must and I believe we will. Thank you right now for making the gift God put on your heart. Remember, this is the last week and it's really, really important that we hear from you, important to so many who have such a critical need. We can meet that need and we can do it together. In impoverished and even now famine-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face death by starvation. Life's Mission Feeding Program is ready. With your support, we're able to feed and care for children in famine areas of Sudan, as well as Angola and Mozambique. With all of our previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding facing the worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you my Daily Word devotional. This box set of four seasonal devotionals will help you read, reflect, and renew yourself through God's Word with space to journal your thoughts and reflect each day. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive Carrie Job's newest music project, The Garden, along with the Story Behind the Garden companion DVD. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Determined Eagle, our 2017 commemorative bronze sculpture. This is the last week. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. Well, I believe, Betty, that our, our viewers did respond as God directed. And I want to thank you. You've always been amazing. It's amazing grace that flows through so many of you so freely. Thank you. We want to send you my daily word. It's a seasonal devotional book that you will love. And uh, Carrie Job, I mean, she grew up, she, she actually danced when she was about nine or 10 at our daughter Robin's uh, wedding. Robin is in, is in heaven now. You know that. Beautiful mom. But Carrie is just like family. And this is uh, her husband and her story about the garden that she sings about. We've had the most wonderful guest today, Benjamin Watson, the new dad's playbook. If you'd like to have this, some of you might say, you know what, I know a new dad. Or I am a new dad. Uh, I, I want you to, to have it if you'd like to. You help these kids we just showed you, touch them with love, and you say, would you mind sending me that book? We'll be glad to. It is in the bookstores. You can encourage others to get it. But join us thanking uh, Benjamin for being a, a great, great model and example. Benjamin, thank you, buddy. Look forward to talking to you a little later this week. All right. So thank you so much. Thanks for your help. Thanks for meeting needs.
I wish I could do more for Life Outreach International, but I'm saving for retirement. We have a plan that can help you do both. Contact Life Planning Services today. Tomorrow. How many times have I asked God for things and never even considered the cost that Christ paid to make that possible? Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.